0: Here in Singapore, we often see SMEs celebrated, successful startups held high with all sorts of awards and accolades and coverage in the newspaper. But as we also know, for every successful SME, there is also another that doesn't make it. According to the Department of Statistics, SingStats uh, here in Singapore, there were 43,000 startups in 2016, uh, double the number in uh, 2003, but half of the new startups fail within the first three years. Simon Littlewood, I guess to an extent, we're not surprised by those statistics reported by the New Paper, but we're also not surprised by the fact that often when your business fails there's a very personal toll that that it takes because if you're not able to pay back your business loans, particularly in a place like Singapore where the banks like to um, call on the owners to mortgage their houses and you know, in, uh, find guarantors for loans, perhaps um, it's no surprise that many people don't just lose their businesses, but they actually lose their family home, or they have to call on those guarantors to stump up and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to cover the loans which they can no longer afford.
1: That's absolutely right, and, and, and Mark, you and I are both serial entrepreneurs, so let's call out the fact that Singapore deserves to be praised for encouraging this culture of of starting small businesses and taking risks. But unfortunately, what goes with that is increased levels of failure. And I think it's really opportune that we have this discussion, given that we know that Singapore is technically in recession or about to be in recession. And certainly next year, um, we are looking at significant risks in terms of trading and growth. Yeah? So um, it's not surprising to hear that large numbers, larger numbers of SMEs are going insolvent. And also, that because of the way that bank loans are structured in Singapore, many owners or people close to owners, family members and friends, are losing their homes. Because the way that this works, and you know, we looked at some data, is that SME loans outstanding in the last five or six years have gone from about 50 billion SING up to about 80 billion SING, which mm-hmm. is a huge increase. It's a 60% mm-hmm. increase. But also, the percentage of loans that are secured against the owner's home have gone from about 40 to 60 percent. But in addition, because a lot of loans are secured against friends or members of families, as we've yes, seen here. Uncles and aunties. Yeah, so 80% yes. so of what banks lend to SMEs is lent against the security of somebody's assets, which means that when SMEs go bust, there is a severe personal impact on the lives of the men, women who started these companies. Yes,
0: very much so. And uh, kudos to the New Paper for picking this issue up recently. You know, you hear these stories all the time. Somebody starts a business, they take out a loan, they go to the bank in order to rustle up some cash, and as you say, they then collateralize with their own home. And then what happens is the stuff that's never discussed. When you have a bank calling you for money, you're highly unlikely to want to tell all your friends and family about it. Yeah. You know, you, there, there are times that you don't even want to go to the letterbox anymore because you know you're going to face a lot of bills that you probably can't pay, and so you then go down into this morass where you don't see your way out and it's very lonely uh, at the bottom. <laughs> Before long, somebody then calls you out on it and you're going to have to stump up some cash. And, and as you say, the, the, the pain that's associated with that Um, is is the sort of stuff that usually doesn't get reported in the paper. But it also doesn't have to be that way.
1: No, I mean, uh, look, one of the things that entrepreneurs rarely consider is the fact that when their businesses are successful, that is when they grow, they may well find themselves needing more operating capital, not less. That is a successful business in many sectors because of the way those sectors are constructed, i.e. you have to pay your suppliers before your customers pay you, and there are half a dozen sectors that are structured like that in Singapore, substantial sectors. Sectors like construction, general commerce, transportation. Then the reality is that as your business grows, your working capital needs will grow. And, you, and if you haven't understood that and planned for that, you're going to find yourself in trouble. That is, you will h- lack the cash to basically keep the lights on.
0: Even though your sales are growing.
1: Even though your sales are growing. And that is the single commonest reason that SMEs and other companies fail is because they run out of cash, not because they run out of customers. Mm. Um, so first thing, is there actually a need for that to happen? The first thing is that if, if, if we're going to help SMEs, and, and this article is at least in part about a scheme, to help SMEs, they need to understand that working capital dynamic Insofar as they can plan for it. That is, understand that if we're going to grow, and if we have this dynamic in our business, in terms of our suppliers and our customers, we'll need more cash and secure that cash in a way that is sustainable. That is, low interest rates, good terms, and a degree of flexibility, which means that they can respond to an upturn or downturn in the market. What's happening at the moment is that there is widespread lack of knowledge about why working capital is such a critical issue. And secondly, companies are being encouraged very strongly to take loans from major financial institutions, there are something like 12, I think, in Singapore that offer these types of loans, at rates of interest in the range of 12 to 14% or even more, which is very, very substantial.
0: Agreed, but at the same time, the alternative is that you end up giving up 15% of your, uh, the value of your invoice by factoring it, or, or you know, going to any number of these portals that offer you tens of thousands of dollars in cash
1: overnight at thirty percent interest rates. Well I think the key key question here and certainly what, what you and I believe is that there are ways of managing customer relationships which will ensure that you are first in line to get paid. That is as long as your customers are solvent, because if they're not solvent they're not paying anybody, as long as they're solvent and they're paying somebody you can so manage your relationship with them so you're likely to be prioritized when it comes to payment. So whereas the mindset one might think from reading and listening to what the media have to say is, oh, dear, I run out of money. Let me borrow some. It should actually be, I must so manage my business that I get priority when it comes to customers paying me so that I run my business off the cash that I get for the goods and services that I sell yeah? and get paid promptly. And that, to, to us it's not even the discussion that's really being held.
0: No, no, because nobody really thinks that customers can pay faster. There, there seems to be this assumption that if your customers don't pay you, well, you are going to have to resort to calling them up and sending them letters and getting lawyers to send them letters and eventually taking them to court. Um, but that is a very fundamental shift in mindset that needs to take place.
1: Yes, um, it does, and it's not helped by the fact that not only do many companies not understand this working capital dynamic, um, They do not set up companies because, and we've talked about this many times, they think they're great at invoicing and collections. They set up companies because they have a passion for a particular product or service that they see is needed in the market. And and, and the fact that they're growing means that they're right about that. But it's not enough to have a passion for selling stuff to people. You have to have a basic understanding of the dynamics of of cash flow and working capital. And from day one, you need to set up relationships with your key customers in particular so that the cash comes in in a timely way. And we know that there are lots of ways that you could influence that. And by the time you're chasing it because it's late, it's too late.
0: Yeah, because your relationship with the customer, then invariably the polish comes off when you have to start having terse conversations with them on the phone. You know, Simon, recently um, when we went to a, a briefing about electronic invoicing, that the, the term came up that or the... The, the scenario came up that at the end of the month when you write your invoices, you, hang on a minute, rewind, at the end of the month when you write your invoices. You know, when the sentence mm. came up in this conversation, I thought, who waits until the end of the month to write their invoices? After all, don't you write the invoice as soon as you deliver the product or service? And then I thought, you know, maybe there are people out there who hate writing invoices so much that they just kind of defer it to the one day a month when they then sit down and get all their paperwork.
1: It might be that or it might be that the that they're not really thinking about how cash works. So 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 what you're describing is is revenue recognition. So 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 in financial accounting terms, revenue is recognized when you create a transaction. That is when you issue an invoice. Up to that point, it's it's potential revenue but it's not revenue because you yeah. can't take it as revenue into the accounts until you've actually cut an invoice yeah. it's axiomatic if you want to have a successful business that you cut an invoice at the earliest possible juncture yes when the Giddle service has been delivered so the clock starts starts from the time that you cut the invoice and you know that this has a bearing on the way that you construct, you, you you construct customer contracts, among other things, which which very often aren't very clear in terms of, uh, particularly in com- in complex businesses that provide c- combinations of goods and services, or say in construction businesses, where there are ver- where there are revenue recognition hurdles. You know, if we d- once we've done this stage of the project, we can bill you for this. Yeah. And once we've done, you know, and if that's not closely defined or adequately defined or agreed to you find yourself in a situation where you're investing more and more working capital in into your service but you're not able to actually get any money from the customer so how you structure the relationship how you structure contracts when you recognize revenue recognizing it at the earliest possible juncture and then loving the customer Mm. once the invoice is in there making sure that the customer is happy not just with the good or the service but with the transaction itself we know from data from experience that these things taken together can have a significant impact on how soon you get paid.
0: Yeah, and not just loving the customer, loving writing invoices. (laughs) No matter what the product or service is that you sell, you've got to invest the time. You have to prioritize that. You have to say, this is really important, and I'm going to enjoy it. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, and I, for one, Love writing invoices. Mark. Me too, Simon. I tell you what. Why don't we go and write some invoices <laughs> right now? Hmm, let's see who could we invoice. Well, you could. I could invoice you, and you could invoice me.
0: Well, I'd have to invoice you for my time <laughs> <laughs> for doing this podcast. Uh, and but please don't send us invoices. Just send us your comments in the comments box next to this podcast. As always, we'd love to hear from you.